Um, you know, we're last week, how many enjoyed Mike Piper? If you're new here, hang on to your seat. Bear with us. God wants to keep showing himself to you. Those of you who have been here a long time and are, are beginning to get a little bit excited, you hang on because God's not done doing what he wants to do. And it's interesting, you know, we're talking about miracles and the things going on and uh, the prayer that's going on. I feel like as a church, we are moving again. We are moving. God is doing things. You know, about a year ago, I started having trouble with my vision. When I hit 60, it seemed like, all right, I I felt like that was the best year. I felt like I felt like younger and I felt like my body was healthier than ever before. When I hit 61... I started having trouble with my eyes. Um, I remember driving at Christmas time, and I was thinking, are my windows dirty? Are my windows dirty in the car? And I kept squinting and everything, and I, I started going to my, my eye doctor, and, um, you know, my eye, my eye doctor just actually told me, I've never seen eyes and um, your optic nerve like you have. And um, he He's been thinking I have some rare eye disease, so he sent me to a specialist, and they confirmed, hey, your diagnosis is right. You just have weird optic nerves. But he also had started cataracts, and he could not correct my lenses to 2020. I don't know about you, but I haven't seen 2020 through corrective lenses since I was 13 years old. And to not see good, like I told you a few weeks ago, I can't even see you. So if, if you say hi to me at the store and I don't say hi back, it's because I can't see you clearly. And so... You know, I've been going through this, but I've been having the intercessors pray for me for, for a long time now. And, you know, I've been praying in my, in, my own, in my own prayer time and asking God, you know, what he's doing and praying and believing. And, you know, uh, I went to the eye doctor this week again because my wife said, why don't you go again? So I've been there like three times this year. So I go again and, you know, been praying and praying. He was able to correct one eye to 20 05 or whatever, it's like just a little off of 2020, and another, the other one is up a little bit more. And he said, you have cataracts, but they're not in a place really you could do anything yet. And um, I just thought it was like a real answer to prayer, that my glasses are in order, and I'm going to be able to see better. Amen. And then those of you who have, know I, I like to eat the wrong things, uh, know that for like the last, probably the last um, six to eight months, you know, my doctor was going to put me on high cholesterol medicine. And, you know, I said, hey, I don't want to go on high cholesterol medicine. I hear nothing but bad things about what it does to your muscles and everything. And he goes, I go, give me another chance. Give me some more time. And he goes, I've already given you six years. (laughs) And he said, and he said, you actually are a little bit lighter, but basically you're at the same weight even that you've been. You are a little lighter now, but you'd have to lose 20 pounds, and I have to see your cholesterol come way down before I'm going to do anything. So this last four months, I've been really praying and really working on it. And at times I do so good, and at times I do so bad. Shelly sent me about a lot of nutrition material. A number of you guys have been encouraging me, praying for me, and I really try, but then I really blow it. And Friday, I realized, I thought I had till next week. Friday, I realized I was due to go in for my next appointment. And I was thinking, he is going to unload on me. And I just said, God, 
I am weak and I am really, you know I have tried and I am making adjustments, but in my flesh, I am weak. How many can say, you know, in your own strength, you, can, you are weak? And so I just, you know, we've been praying and before I went in, I just said again, Lord, again, I'm dependent on you. I don't know what I'm going to do because I'm not going to go on that medicine because I don't like what it does to me, but what am I going to do? So I went in, they took my blood, you know, and they analyzed it and everything as so I'm waiting. He comes in and he goes, your cholesterol is down 20 points. And, and he didn't even say anything about my weight, and I think I might even be the same or a little bit more than I was last time when I was down. He didn't say anything about my weight, and he said, you know what? Your high blood pressure, you are down. You are, you are only 124. You are doing good. And he said, I'm going to give you some more time, but let's keep working on getting that cholesterol down. And you know, it was one of those times where I realized it really wasn't me. And I'm not telling you to not go to the doctor. I'm not telling you not to try to do what you need to do. But I'm telling you, there is power in the grace of God and prayer. And Paul wrote that in our weaknesses, God manifests his strength. And I just want to encourage us to, uh, to really walk and to really believe, to really pray. And I, I, uh, I love how the words have been coming up already today about believe and about faith because I want to talk just a, a few minutes this morning. I'm sorry for you who like everything laid out. I'm not one of those pastors who can lay out uh, a 20-week series that this is what we're going to do, and a year from now we're going to do that. Um, I kind of have to be dependent on God. I'd love to have everything planned out, but it changes a lot of times. And this morning I was really thinking, even as I was walking, about really unbelief. And at the end of our service last week, um, Dory really had a prophetic uh, word that that there was a lot of unbelief in our congregation and because we are a body we are a local body we're not going to leave anybody behind we're waiting for god to manifest himself and i really believe god wants to really take off unbelief and so i want to go back to that place where he talked about unbelief and when i was thinking about unbelief i was thinking about where did it start and i feel like god just was really talking to me this today Remember in the garden when however long Satan was talking with Eve and he was really presenting to her really a new uh, spirit of the world that he was going to bring in. And remember the focus was about the desire to have the knowledge of good and evil, for her to, to know everything. He was really trying to entice her into her five senses and really get her out of the spiritual realm. Because she was created first spirit, she has a soul when she was in that body. And her spirit thrived as she was connected with God, as her spirit was the dominant force. Her mind, will, and emotions were subservient to her spirit. And so he's really trying to get her into that place where God's holding out on you. So when they died spiritually, when they disobeyed, and they got the knowledge of good and evil, they lost their ability to have their spirit strengthened and inputted by the, the, uh, the relationship with God and, and really faith. And so the unbelief system started in our world through that decision. Now we're all dead spiritually. Everyone born from Adam is dead spiritually. And so our unbelief is connected with the spirit of this world. And so the unbelief we deal with is because of the bombardment on our thoughts and our emotions constantly because we live in a natural world. And so uh, the spirit, which is by faith, 
which Denise just reminded us that God has given us each a measure of faith. When we receive Jesus Christ, God gives us faith to begin to interact with him, to begin to believe for ourselves and for the people around us and for what he wants us to do. And that's the spirit of faith. But you might say that spirit of unbelief or the unbelief system that we all deal with is from Satan, the God of this world. I hope you can just take that today and realize, you know, when you're praying for something and you feel doubt and unbelief, that has nothing to do with God. A couple of scriptures I added this morning. Um, in fact, there's no PowerPoint probably yet. Yes, because it's changed. Second Corinthians 4.13. Paul reminds us that we have the spirit of faith. So if you're dealing with thoughts of unbelief or feelings of unbelief, especially as you're facing uh, overwhelming circumstances or diagnosis, maybe you're contending for a family member, kick back. God has given all of us a spirit of faith. I have another verse too. This is Hebrews 3.12. And Paul is telling the church, Christian family, this is out of the Amplified, take care, lest there be in any one of you a wicked, unbelieving heart which refuses to cleave to, trust in, and rely on him, leading you to turn away and desert or stand alone or aloof from the living God. So that can seem kind of harsh, but when unbelief tries to overwhelm our heart and overwhelm us through circumstances and, and give us those real fearful feelings and those really feelings like, I am so buried under this. God, I can't see you anywhere. That's the enemy trying to move over your heart and to, to create in you an evil heart of unbelief. But, but remember that first scripture, we've been given a spirit of faith and we're growing in that faith. I want to read a couple of scriptures because I really feel like they addressed unbelief or a couple of quotes. I gave it to these a couple of weeks ago. Unbelief, you can show, actually, we're kind of circumventing my order today. You might say, like when you go to the restaurant and you get warm bread, you're getting some fresh bread today. Unbelief is anchored in what is visible or reasonable apart from God. Unbelief honors the natural realm as superior to the invisible. The Apostle Paul states that what you can see is temporal and what you can't see is eternal. That's why this scripture in Matthew, you can go back up one because I'm going to give you this one about believing in uh, slide 12. Matthew 21, 22, Jesus said to the disciples, Assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what has, was done to the fig tree, but also if you say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, it will be done. And whatever things you ask in prayer, believe you receive. Believe you receive. And so it doesn't have to do with anything how you feel. We're starting to live the kingdom of God out by faith. We're living above what we can observe. And Jesus said, remember, the kingdom of God doesn't come by observation. Like if you're you're waiting to see your miracle or you're waiting to see something change, the kingdom of God is within us. And as we exercise our faith and exercise our prayer and begin to thank God when we see opposition, when we see negative things, we are growing and building in our faith. We are developing in our faith. 
I want to talk about receiving today before we have communion. And so I want you to just really be thinking about that word, receiving. We think about unbelief. And I want to start off again talking about the heart. Go to Romans 10, 9. These are not on the slides. These are hot coconut-covered shrimp, which my wife loves. And my doctor says, you can't have those. (laughs) Romans 9 says, If you acknowledge and confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord, and in your heart believe, adhere to, trust in, and rely on the truth that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. With the heart, a person believes, adheres to, and trusts in, and relies on Christ. And so is justified, declared righteous, acceptable to God. And with the mouth he confesses and declares openly and speaks out freely his faith and confirms his salvation. So what that's telling us is with our heart is where we believe. That's where faith is originated. And since we, I'm trying to set you up to be open to receive when we go into our communion time, that God gives us the ability to receive when he comes into our heart. It's like we're going along and, you know, we're just going through life. And when God's love breaks in or when we get to the place where we realize, man, I'm a sinner and I'm tired of it. And we respond to the gospel and we receive Jesus Christ. When we invite Jesus to come into our heart, our spirit is made alive and we're born again. And a new ability to believe enters in. That measure of faith comes in and we're, uh, we're now working on stretching it, cooperating with the Holy Spirit. Now he's developing us, looking to Jesus through negative circumstances and opposition to our faith. And when the enemy tells us, oh, nothing happened when you asked Jesus, why don't you just go back to your old life devil? No, something happened when I received Jesus. My spirit was made alive. And now I'm in this process of pouring now into my spirit and wrestling with the old man and putting him under the word of God and the will of God so that I can rise above these circumstances where the enemy wants to bring me back into unbelief and bring me back into my old lifestyle, bring me back into my old habit patterns and to take me the other way. And if you're wrestling with any kind of habit pattern, it is the faith that God has given you and the Holy Spirit that resides in your heart that's working to have you overcome those temptations and those things that are trying to have that dominion and the dominance over your life. Our familiar sin patterns and the familiar things that we do that are wrong, even though we're saved, the enemy will lean on those to try to to, um, heighten them and to highlight them so that you will go back But as you continue to contend and hold on and resist, your spirit is going to get stronger and those things are going to fall off and Satan's going to quit hitting you in that area, at least for a season. You have control over your heart. I know we're controlled by so many things. If you watch TV, they want you to buy everything that's on TV. Every card that comes on, they want you to buy. Every food item, every clothing item, every product they want you to buy. It's a constant bombardment. So we're bombarded And so we feel overwhelmed, and sometimes we just pull back. But God has given us a new place to have control, and it's over our heart. And Proverbs says that out of the heart come all the issues of life, every temptation, every desire, everything that's contrary to what God has comes from our heart. 
But because we're returned to Christ, we can bring our hearts to the Lord and have Him cleanse and purify our hearts. We can have Him examine our heart. We can have Him that when our heart is tested for our true motives and our our true um, how we're really serving Him or for just being religious or we're just giving God a little... uh, like a little tidbit, like a little, we'll just give him a little, a little snack when we're not truly obeying him. We can allow the Holy Spirit to shine in in those places and we can say, God, forgive me for not giving you my whole heart. Forgive me for not putting you first. Because as we put him first, as he becomes our treasure, everything else that we need comes to us. I believe today that this is a turning point for many of us today, that we're going to grasp something. And when we walk out the doors today, we're going to be in a different place that a new level of faith is going to grip our heart, a new ability to see life as it really is, a new ability to walk in the spiritual realm, to rise above those things that have limited us spiritually, and to walk in a deeper relationship with God. We submitted ourselves this last week ago when we went to our MFI conference in, uh, in Portland. We submitted ourselves to a time of prophetic and we prayed, played it for our intercessors and we'll probably play it for our team next time, but It was profound words that were spoken to us. Again, when you're hearing from God, there's nothing like a word that comes to you from God, especially when you're tracking with God's will for your life and you know you're doing your best. When God confirms that what you're doing is what he wants you to do, it just brings another level of faith, another level to know that every thought, every feeling that comes against what God's doing is, is just an attack, but you can continue to do God's will. And we had a man come and prophesy. It was actually the vice chairman of MFI, and I was surprised to see him in, in our prophetic room. And so as he began to prophesy over us, he confirmed stuff that I did 14 years ago. He goes, in the middle of your life, you, you quit a job and, and you started a, a work. And I'm thinking, man, how did he read my mail? How does he know? How does he know where I was? He, I never interacted with him. He doesn't know how long I've been a pastor, and though I've been in MFI fellowship. I've never dialogued with him about my life. He read our mail for the last 14 years, and he also said, your church is called to heal broken people. He also said, he also said that uh, I see you guys getting some kind of a, a home and, and, and places where people can come in and rehabilitate and stuff. That very day, the county had given us a sober living home to run as a faith-based home. I tell you, there's an impartation to us. Every time we get together in this body, every time we we spend time in prayer, every time we're in the Word of God, there's a spiritual impartation to strengthen us in our heart and to make us be able to connect and receive more. But what the things that we go through and the opposition that we face, it discourages us. Satan is always trying to attack our heart. He's always trying to have us have feelings of depression and discouragement. Why? He doesn't want us operating out of our heart where faith is, where God relates to us. God is a spirit. We relate spirit to spirit. Whatever we see him do in the, in, in the practical or in the natural, whatever miracles our eyes see are because we're walking in the spirit. We're walking in that spiritual realm. Again, we are in this realm, and so anything God does is miraculous to us. But think of it. Satan shifted us into the unbelief world. He shifted us into the doubt world. There is, there is no miracles in our world because it's been separated from God because of the fall of man. Only in coming back to Christ in our relationship with him and receiving from him and learning from him and reading his word and being obedient to everything we know to be obedient with, we begin to rise in that faith. We begin to rise in our heart relationship. You know, when you're... When you're um, when you're tempted and you feel dirty or you slipped and how the enemy wants to camp on you, 
you can sit on that as long as you want. You're never going to feel good enough to come back to God. But when you say, you know what? I feel dirty. I sinned. I did this wrong thing. Will you forgive me? That's the power of Jesus' word. He says, if we confess our sin, he is faithful to forgive us and cleanse us from the unrighteousness. That means he's going to the root of whatever it is that is holding us in bondage. And he gives us a spirit of repentance, just like he's given us a spirit of faith to rise above that temptation and even the next time to resist that temptation. If you look at John 14, 27, Jesus said, don't let your heart be troubled. Again, I want you to be assured today with whatever you're facing, whatever the enemy's telling you, you are powerless. You, you, you can't have victory over this or you're not going to get this or, or whatever. You can't change. It says right there, don't let your heart be troubled. Jesus never tells us to do something that we don't have the ability to do. So as believers, if we realize we don't have to be troubled by anything, and we start casting down negative thoughts and attitudes when we pray for something, we just kind of put it to bed. Okay, I prayed about this. I shifted it up to heaven. We can be in a place where we don't have to be troubled, that we can take control of our heart because, again, out of the heart, it's you and me, God. You and me, God. And God is with you in everything that you do in your family relationships and the things that you have to do around your house and your relationships on the job, you just have to remember, you take Jesus with you every day, but you're living from the heart. It's going to help you do a better job. It's going to help you have better attitudes. When you see all the negative, when you see everyone else getting ahead of you, when you see the struggles that you're having through, wait a second, God's on my side. He's my treasure, and that's where my treasure is. That's where my heart is. God's going to bless me. God's going to take care of me. God's going to move in my life. God's going to encourage me. I see this negative situation. Thank you, Jesus, for this negative situation because through that, I'm going to see you move. I'm going to see the miraculous come into this unbelieving natural world and I'm going to overcome. Okay, let me, give you the, the, um, let me give you the title of my message. Now I'll start it. It's, I mean, it's a question. Is the name of, is the title of my message? Is it easy for you to receive? And I think the longer that we're Christians, the longer we've been walking with the Lord, we have enough things going on in our head where we're trying to do all these things that, that or we see especially a need and we don't see it being answered. It's hard for us to believe and receive. And so, it's so easy to get into this religious performance and activity. And again, our mind. Again, think of it. The knowledge of good and evil. If I get more knowledge about Jesus, no, no. We're reading the Bible, but we're not necessarily trying to grab it with our head as much as letting our heart catch it. Letting our heart catch it. Let the activity of the Holy Spirit teach you. We got a living Jesus with us. He's walking with us. How many need a miracle? Some kind of miracle. I tell you, Jesus is a miracle-working God. Let me throw this at you. Amplified Bible, John 6, two verses. After this, Jesus went to a far, the farther side of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias, and a crowd, a great crowd was following him because they had seen the signs and the miracles which he continually performed upon those who were sick. Continually performed. Do you need a miracle? The Bible says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That means the same Jesus was going about healing people and giving miracles is the same Jesus that's on duty now through the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is now amplified through the Holy Spirit. 
Now he brings the Father, Son, Holy Spirit punch to us, the God who brings miracles into this unbelieving realm in which we are fighting constantly. You should be excited right now because there is no limits over our life. Why? Because it's about him. If he sent Jesus to die for us, do you think he's going to withhold from you? You know, last week, uh, I talked to different people afterwards. Some people experienced and received. Some people were left feeling wanting and, and doubting. You are not eliminated. I tell you, don't give up because you didn't see something or you saw something, someone else get something. Say, thank you, Jesus, because whatever was imparted last week hasn't left. The same Jesus we meet with every day, the same Jesus who was with us in our midst last week is with us right now. He's, and he's vowed to take care of us. Until he comes back, he is working in the unseen realm of the Spirit to, to work in our lives. Thank you, Norm. That little saying, why not, what does it do? That saying, why not, it just shakes our natural mind because we are not the same as we were up until the moment we walked into this church. When we gather in the presence of God, the manifested presence of God is now imparting more to us. We are going to go out that door changed. We are going to go out that door different. We may be a little older because we're aging, but I tell you what God's doing in the spiritual realm, he is growing us. I think of Peter. I was thinking of Peter this week. You know, Peter was and, and Andrew were disciples of John the Baptist. Because if you read John, you can see that woven in the scriptures, the, the reality of the story. So Peter already had a desire and a, and a connection with God to, know by God to know more about God. And he heard John the Baptist talking about the Messiah is coming. Repent, be baptized, be changed. He's coming. And when he saw that boatload of fish after giving Jesus a little harbor tour, when he saw that boatload of fish, that miraculous catch of fish, something clicked in his heart. In that moment, he was transformed. In that moment, he went to a different spiritual level. He connected with Jesus and Jesus' presence and the miracle working power of who Jesus was in a greater way. And then it didn't mean anything about that load of fish. He connected something that was greater than uh, just having a need met. And it's not about Jesus just connecting and meeting one of your needs. Jesus wants to be all and everything to you. Jesus wants to show you power and presence. Jesus wants to motivate you. Jesus wants to empower your gifts. Jesus wants you to see who you are in him. Why? Because there needs to be a manifestation of who you are as a member of the body of Christ in the world you find yourself in. God's kingdom is demonstrated. I've been talking and knocking on the door, talking about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is within us. Yes, we see our kingdom kind of just having a rough time right now. The kingdom of American uh, politics and government. We're broke. They can't do anything about it. This kingdom is passing away. Our president, he is actually aging and finishing. He's going to finish his other term. Kings presidents are going to come and go. We are members of a kingdom that is not diminishing. It's growing. It's expanding. There are people, I, coming back for MFI, I have just a new connection with even more and more churches. You know, Jesus said he's coming back for a body. And I feel like the churches he's connected is what? There's been such a unity. I text different pastors today. say, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for your work. I told, I text David Cannister. He said, David, I'm praying for you. I've been praying for you for years, but I am I'm praying even more for you. I'm praying for your church. I'm praying for that anointing upon you. I pray for the Krugers today. I, we, we connected with them. They came, they surprised us just a few months ago. 
I'm praying, you know, you're asking for more of the Holy Spirit to be involved in and manifesting through your people and more gifts. I said, I'm praying for you today that God's going to do what you ask your prayer. And you feel this great spirit of faith that we're rising in our faith as, as who we are in Christ and the body of Christ, even though you guys don't see it all happening, I can see it in our fellowship. I can see it. That, that little invitation to be at Gateway, to be at Kansas, Pastor Kenneth Tracy's church for you women, that's going to be an opportunity for a greater impartation to you. Things that we can't do, things that, that God's not going to do here. God's going to do something when you girls go there. Oh, I better get to my first verse, huh? God's kingdom is demonstrated. The kingdom of God is now. It's miracles. And Norm, what did you say? Thank you. Matthew 4, 23 and 25. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom. The gospel of the kingdom is Jesus has come on the scene. He died for our sins. He beat death. There's nothing in this world that has an alternative to beating death. We are all going to die. The kingdom of God came on the scene and showed there's an eternal alternative. He unveiled and released to the world the secret of the hereafter, that there is a heaven and there is a hell, because Jesus talked more about hell than he did about heaven. And Jesus doesn't lie. If you want to know about hell, you read Luke 16. It'll tell you everything about hell. But Jesus said in John 3, that chapter, that hell wasn't made for us. The only one that's going to go to hell is those people who have not received the message of the kingdom, who have not received what Jesus did for all of us. And those who haven't heard, God's going to, by grace, look at their heart and he will judge them fairly and honestly. But our message now, since we're post the crucifixion of Christ, to preach the gospel of the kingdom, that people do not have to live a hopeless life. They don't have to live hopeless marriages and hopeless relationships. They don't have to live in grief of being abandoned and rejected by spouses or, or family members. They don't have to live under the brokenness of being raped or victimized or traumatized or, uh, or, or seeing murders. But God wants to rise up and bring a transformation and a change. God wants to touch the very areas in our soul where we're being affected and cause faith to arise and cause a great healing to happen in our emotions. Anything that's trying to shut us down and keep us from living that overcoming life, that's where Jesus is working. That's where his focus is. Oh, I better continue on that verse. Preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of diseases among the people. Then his fame went throughout all Syria and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them. Great multitudes followed him from Galilee and from Decapolis and Jerusalem, Judea and beyond Jordan. Bob McGregor also spoke over us, and, he, and as he was praying about this church, he said, miracles. That means God's going to do miracles for you guys. God's going to do miracles. You need to receive that as a promise because it wasn't a word just directly to me and Dory. It was a word when he was speaking about our church. Are you broken here today? Are you plugged up? Is your heart stopped up? Do you feel like you're not moving forward in God? I tell you today, God wants you to sit back and relax and he wants you to be able to receive because he's here to bring healing and transformation. I don't know how many hours it was. We started out on Monday night. We started out with two and a half hours. We were in worship. 
We had a great word from Frank DiMaggio, our MFI president and leader. We had fellowship with pastors afterwards. Tuesday morning, we started at 9 o'clock. We had four and a half hours straight of teaching, you know, workshops, worship. We had another two and a half hours Tuesday night. Wednesday, we had another four and a half, five, six hours of intense workshops, things going on. We had a Wednesday night. And Wednesday night, we had a young guy they let speak. And last time he spoke, he's a you young guy has a just launching a church. It was incredible. This time, we were all like, where is the word of God? What's happening? And when you don't see something or you don't feel something, you start judging a person. God began to show me my heart. He go, why are you judging this guy? Remember the first time you got up and speak in Christian community? I'm surprised people just didn't leave. I remember I told you a couple years ago, a lady who was here in her early years said, I don't know, I don't know how you can speak. And she came back like four or five years later. And she goes, wow, you've really improved in your speaking. I want to thank you, those who have stayed through, through the time when I, I've been allowed to grow. And I just got that thing, God, why am I judging this guy? So I pray, God, forgive me. And since that time, I've been praying for that guy because I know wherever, whatever was going on in him, he's going to grow out of that. And God's going God's to bless him because he's touching a lot of young people. So anyway, I'm sitting here, and again, when we have experiences that are spiritual that affect our soul, again, affect our unbelief, we start to settle and think, like, where are you, God? We start getting skeptical. We start getting cynical. We start getting uh, close-hearted, and our soul and our feelings is just, again, it's countering faith. It's countering what the Holy Spirit's doing. Then Thursday night, I was feeling so heavy. I was feeling so depressed. I was feeling so discouraged. Worship started, and they were, I mean, the young people— who are leading the worship. I mean, they got some young people leading their worship. They were dancing and jumping up and down, thinking, man, if I jumped up and down like that, my back would go out. <laughs> and at one point, at one point, I grabbed my handkerchief and I, I just sat down on a chair and I buried my face. And I began to cry out. I began to cry out one of those uh, Romans 8 from the Spirit, when your spirit cries out with deep intercession. And that verse came to me, that is in John where, I think it's in John or one of the Gospels where, remember Jesus was on the cross and right before his finished, it says he cried out. Jesus was incredible soul pain. Jesus was agonizing over the weight of every sin that was ever committed or ever would be committed. And he cried out. And I feel like the Holy Spirit said, this deep crying, this groaning that I do every so often, it's it's so deep in my soul. But in, in that crying out, my soul touched Jesus. And I realized how Jesus had cried out so that, so that we could be able to connect. He had cried out so I could connect that Thursday night at MFI. And I tell you, as I cried out and my soul, my heart touched Jesus in that, in that literal presence, he lifted the heaviness and the pain that I feel. If you're going to be in this church, God is going to go to some deep places. And a lot of times we look pretty good and we have to, you know, segregate and organize everything in our life, especially the places of pain, and we, we relegate them to the past. And we think, yeah, I'm fine, the blood of Jesus. But there's deep roots that have not been pulled. And it's when you can relax in the presence of God and allow those pains to come up. And the Holy Spirit, he's going to take you into those places that you don't want to be taken. He's going to take you to those places of pain. Why? Because they're affecting your heart and they're affecting your faith now. 
And in those moments, as he chooses, and sometimes it's pain has to get pretty bad, and you can start getting angry at God. Why aren't you taking this pain? Why aren't you dealing with this big thing? And you know, there's times I know some of you have gone through recovery things and gone through different things, and it's still not all the way gone. I tell you, God's going to take you there. And in that moment, as I poured out, as I left that pain, that feeling I had inside of my soul was so freeing. I had such a peace that had come over me. And I just want to encourage you that we're in a, an incredible, under a credible work of grace of God in our lives. And we haven't seen anything yet. You know, Mike came here and he told me when we were talking at MFI, when he was saying, you know, I'm sending that leak that he showed. He said, I'm believing that the body of Christ, not just in Brazil, but I believe that the body of Christ is going to begin to see more miracles. Again, we have to believe the miracles are already happening, but we have to be able to continue to see with our heart and not just see with our eyes. The Lord's presence on the slide three. This verse is one of the saddest verses that explains our greatest need. This is Genesis 3.8. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. Oh, I tell you, if it's one thing that we need, if it's one thing that's going to change us, it's when we're in the presence of the Lord. And I like to tell you, you know, strive. I know there's a place of the sacrifice of praise. I know there's a place of just praising the Lord. But there's a place like I told you I entered where I could not do anything else. There's a place that I, I found myself just resting and letting my soul, letting my heart connect. And if you find yourself sometimes rushing out of the presence of the Lord or wanting to rush through the worship time, it's because we are so conditioned in this world and there's so many things that are running through our minds, so many priorities, so many needs, so many unanswered prayers that our soul does not allow our heart to connect in the presence of the Lord. And we see the start of all of our problems happened in the beginning where Adam and Eve were now sinners. They were dead spiritually and they were hiding from the very thing that they had known and needed, the presence of the Lord. In the presence is being in the face or in his countenance, in his favor, with him. In that place where our heart, again, we were created spirit, soul, and put in this body. And it is with our spirit we begin to see the Lord. David Canastrace got up and prophesied over me and Dory, and he didn't say much because he let everyone go first because he knows us so well. But the word he gave us was he said things that he didn't know about us, but he talked about we need to breathe more. We've gotten to this place in, in church and everything that's happening and, and the busyness and relationship, all the things we're trying to, to connect with people and encourage people that we need to breathe. We started this walk because of our heart for God, and we had a heart to see broken people healed and changed. And sometimes we get overwhelmed in the natural and we forget to breathe. You ever get like a little anxiety attack and you, you can't breathe or you're scared and you can't breathe? And he told us, you've got to breathe more spirit, so you've got to keep taking more time with the Lord. And uh, as I was in the office yesterday morning early, just again, praying about the message and going over, trying to, to put together some 
uh, measure of order, I just was taken back, you know, to that place where he, he came to me about four weeks ago where the presence of God lifted me into this place where nothing, nothing mattered. I was so in his presence. I was so comforted. But David began to say, you know, you need a, a double portion of your first love. And, and I texted him back this morning, everything that you said to me, it's happening. It's happening. I'm, I'm connecting with God in that presence like I haven't connected a long time. And there's such a place of peace. Excuse me, that's not just for me. I'm your pastor. If you, you're coming here and hopefully you'll stay here. But my heart is for us. I don't move any faster than you. We are this local body. And I believe that God wants to raise us all to another level of experiencing his presence and everything that we need. He cares about us. You moms, he cares about you because you care for your kids. And some of you have kids that are growing up and you still carry the heart of, of God because that heart of a mother is God's heart for his kids. And you single women, God uses that same heart in you and how he made your makeup, a love for people. Take a couple more minutes and then we'll... At 15-2, Jeff, will you just come up? One thing is needful. You've heard this story, but may you see it from an, a, another revelation placed by the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, Martha, you are troubled about many things. Luke 10, 38-42. Now it happened as they went that Jesus entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard the, his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. You might be distracted doing a lot of good things. And I think you all know because I know when I'm even doing things for God and I know I'm supposed to be taking time with the Lord and we're distracted. That's our soul. Our soul can even get caught up in good things because really our soul is running from God. It's running from the will of God, the call of God, and even how God wants us to submit under him and let him rule and reign in our life. He wants to sit us down. Why? Because he wants to give us more than we're getting on our own. And we're going off in a way that's going to take a long time. I don't want to go around the wilderness 40 more years like the children of Israel. I don't want to go around the wilderness one more year, but I want to stop and break some patterns. That can only happen when you put God first and get into the presence. Verse 41, and Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part. When we choose to be in the presence of God, when we choose to be in the presence of God, no matter how irritated and anxious we get, and I was honest with you, even at a conference, a spiritual conference, I'm supposed to be a spiritual leader. I was getting antsy. I was thinking, I've had too much. My soul wanted to take a break. I did not run. If you asked Dory, I even said, Dory, our message last night, it didn't get anything. Maybe we should take a break. 
But even when I said that I knew in my heart I wasn't going to take a break, but I was going to go. And it's sometimes it's that last time or that decision that you're wavering to do something different. When you go again, God meets us. 